That was entitled When the Band Was Singing, Shaken All Over by the Guess Who, and this is podcast 191, entitled Shaken All Over. And um, it's a kind of way to interpret my own experience in such a way that might possibly make it possible for you to interpret your own experience, as all these casts uh, are attempting to do. 
but in a way that to me seems at this point enduring and um, unarguable and hopefully um, more than a nostrum for your own sufferings and own troubles. That's always a high recipe, but I have to come entirely from my own experience of hope, healing, uh, and uh, possibility. And uh, this... um, is a kind of way of looking at your life in terms of when it was shaken all over and to discover in that you might say the very anchor and the uh, depth and the uh, ballast of what would uh, put you and me and I speak especially of me on a clear path for sailing and um, there were two things that have occurred in my own life of late that are again as I would say unarguable and I ask you to look at things of this nature in your own life that might also be unarguable that is to which your experience attests 100% I mean not just today versus a hundred days ago, but uh, things in your experience that have never been challenged because they've always felt and uh, turned out to be absolutely valid for you. They have not suffered by the time and tide and um, uh, the uh, transience of um, almost all human affairs, but they seem to have stood the test of transit. And um, these uh, two, for me, have been one a, a kind of uh, a direct vision that I received on the 29th of January of this uh, uh, year 2015 in which I saw myself in a very do or die um, place after death uh, in such a way that was highly uh, disturbing and extremely upsetting and if this is true then uh, I am my goose is cooked type of way a vision that I had uh, essentially Um, sitting in a chair somewhere and uh, this um, vision has not been gainsaid or in the slightest conditioned or altered uh, by any uh, further experience or thought I've had. It stands as a kind of absolute, you know, um, listen, (laughs) listen people to what I say, I say, you know, Herman's Hermits, there was depth even there. There's always depth when you see something that your experience confirms again and again and again and again. And uh, so I ask you to think if you've had a kind of spiritual vision, not one that you had. I was with someone the other day who'd had a spiritual vision that was palpably false because the facts that were reported from the vision were completely not true to the actual facts as they are. However, uh, this particular vision uh, that I've had, and I've had false ones, obviously, ones that have proven to be failures, this particular one has struck me in everything I've seen, thought, written, and considered, and been exposed to as being absolutely true. It's sort of um, a little bit of uh, Ebenezer Scrooge time, Marley's ghost. Uh, uh, My goose was cooked unless I had the chance to, you might say, go back and find a better way, as Burton Cummings also in uh, a song that I think was written by Randy Backman got to find another way. Uh, talks about now something else uh, keeps continuing, and this is the fact that there are two memories, or shall I say, two clusters of memory that uh, of uh, uh, events that occurred in my youth. Uh, that uh, I cannot and have never been able to shake or abolish or delete or extirpate. 
Uh, there are a number of, of bad memories I have, as well as some good memories, but mostly bad ones that I don't think about or that are so, you know, awful or seem so shameful or humiliating that I seem to have, for some reason, been able to prevent them from popping up. But two clusters of memories continue to pop up and they pop up and they pop up and they pop up and they pop up and they've been popping up since the actual day they happened and they continue to pop up and I'm uh, 64. So this to me says that they're, they're, Popability or their uh, 100% repetitive um, uh, emergence into my consciousness at any number of moments, although they can be suppressed during certain periods of activity or certain periods of this, that, or the other thing, they pop up with absolutely 100% regularity. There's a scene in I Never Sang from My Father in which the irascible, awful father played by Melvin Douglas of the Gene Hackman character, and it's very well worth your seeing this movie and the play by Robert Anderson, that uh, a memory keeps popping up in this otherwise awful old man who is just really hell on his uh, adult children and his wife and his entire... He's destined to the worst possible fate. And yet uh, he does uh, return to one vital, powerful memory, actually two. Uh, Two memories keep returning and returning, and in a way they're redemptive because by the very fact that he has to be, by virtue of their power and pungency, they... They continue to force him to face two facts, one positive, one very negative, of his early life, and they haunt him. And yet they are the voice of God. They are the voice of connection. They are the voice of eternal truth in his own experience, uh, which... um, really leads me to want to give a kind of singular thought to this podcast, which, as I said, is called Shaken All Over, this singular thought, which I hope can, in fact, stimulate a parallel singular thought, because remember, all truth is one. Don't listen to what people say about nuance and uh, layers and uh, ambivalences. Those are true of the, of, the, of the ego, absolutely. We have to tie ourselves in a million knots in order to persuade ourselves that we're, on, that we're doing what we need or wish or ought to do, uh, but the contradictions of human um, hope are almost entirely the knickers in a twist aspect of so-called truth is really a falsehood. It only applies to that which uh, we see and hear. What do you hear uh, in the ego and in the kind of false uh, concatenation of factors that make up Paul Zoll or whoever you are who's listening to it? But the voice of the shepherd, the voice of that which is ultimately true, which has to do with both eternity and connection or love or relatedness. Uh, These very words make you want to gag. (laughs) Gag me with a spoon. But there's the power of truth in what I'm attempting to say that, again, I can't fight. I'd like to I'd like to fight it, but I can't fight it. So I thought I'd talk a little bit about these um, this, uh, this uh, core truth. Now, uh, for me at least, I don't know about you, the, um, the two great truths of life are um, I have to cut my own way and I'm moving forward and uh, it may well be that I've made some very, very um, what the world calls today poor choices or I've simply blown it with my life in this, that or the other department and this is hanging on me like a 
very ill-fitting suit of clothes or a lot of uh, luggage that I have to carry. The other day I went to get some uh, stuff at the A&P near where we live, and I thought I could bring it all back, and I happened to buy 24 waters. You know how they were on sale and they were all in plastic, and I figured I could carry 24 plastic bottles of water together with some saran wrap and some garbage bags and I think maybe a peach or two back three blocks over to where we live, and it proved totally impossible. So I had to go back and commandeer a grocery cart and like a homeless man, uh, walk the grocery cart three blocks in the town where I live currently and then take it back. And I felt, you know, this is what they all do. This is what they all do. They simply find a place to live behind some bushes. But this is me. Here I am. Well, um, the 24 waters uh, was me, you know, metaphorically. I'm carrying, trying to carry 24 waters and some saran wrap and oregano in my arms three blocks, and I can't even make it 50 feet because it just can't be done given the person I am, the age I am, the strength I have, and also the size of these huge waters. Well, I leave that with you to simply say that um, um, th- th- this this is the the the, uh, the, the truth of, of life is that there's one vision for the one being, and all these waters and uh, things they're holding me back uh, terribly, and they constitute a tremendous amount of uh, ambivalence and nuance and layeredness. But the actual fact of the matter, there's really one core truth to the person inside me that desires to be loved and to love and is going home in some profound sense and has come from somewhere. And I don't dismiss Jesus Christ from that scenario at all. So don't think I'm doing that. Now, the power of what occurred to me was that, A, uh, the... um, the vision that I had was simply unmistakable. I was in deep, you know, and uh, this, uh, re- I was given a, a moment uh, in heavenly vision to return. I, I thought of that vision of the alcoholic in The Small Back Door by Paul Pressburger for some reason, but I was given a vision by which I could return and perhaps uh, alter the course like Scrooge at the end of A Christmas Carol, and uh, I've been seeking to do that. Um, now, failing, of course, but... I'm just a soul whose intentions are good. Oh, Lord, please don't make me be misunderstood. You know, I saw the animals in concert. I saw the original animals in concert in Washington, D.C., but that's another podcast. Now, this happened, and this vision is irrefragable, and I mean that. Sadly so. But the other thing that's irrefragable, and also to some extent sadly so, are these two memory clusters that keep coming back and back and back and back and back and back. And um, they're simply there. I mean, they're undeniable only because they're there. I wish they weren't there. At least one set of cl- one set of clusters I'm very glad is there. But the other set of clusters I wish were not there. But all attempts of deletion have failed. Therefore, <coughs> they must be telling me something because they're so strong. They wouldn't be uh, present unless they were touching something very core. In other words, they would have faded away, not faded, they would have faded away were not uh, the message that they have and the need or question to which they responded uh, was endemic and intrinsic to my being. And the message was, and this is, again, I feel a little, you know, but it's the only way I can think of it. Somewhere in there was someone who needed to be related to another Someone in that little guy named Paul Zoll, there was someone whose whole focus and entire heart anchor focus was to love and to be loved and to see it in a person, in eyes, you know, that was absolutely core. 
And so uh, that reflects obviously something about me and perhaps about you, the need to relate to another or to put it more largely, the need to be enveloped and enfolded and engaged with in love is a non-negotiable. And when it happens, however it happens, it can never ever be forgotten for a single second. And it's not the facts themselves in the historical record, but what the facts point to in you that they are indelible. These are indelible uh, issues of your life, uh, core memories to use inside-out language. And that's what I really wanted to say. So the purpose of living is to integrate what these memories, and you have, you have your exact equivalent of them. Because, because everybody does. All great literature has someone who's dealing with this question and his life is driven by them for better or for worse. So usually for worse, but ultimately for better because they are a, 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 an itch that must be scratched. A, a, shoe, a rock in the shoe by which you must learn how to take the shoe off and put it back on properly so that you can walk. This is what it's all about. And that's what these core memories teach one. And then in addition uh, to that, um, we have... Uh, the uh that was so funny i actually forgot because i was so carried away what i really wanted to say in addition to that is that we have the clear and certain message that we are required to give some kind of account of what we've been given here and even if we have failed uh which is a terrible fate we are uh, there is something happening here that is subspecie eternitatis and that is so upsetting and so totally contrary to what the the ego wants to tell you that there's nothing after this. The human, secular humanists want to say, oh, don't worry, we go from life to extinction. That, that, in my experience, is not the case. Meditation has taught me that it's not the case, but many other things have. And my vision tells me so clearly, I wish it were the case, but it is not so. So we do no one any favors by denying it. And therefore, your job and my job is to integrate this enormous, consuming, focal, single, single field theory, monocular need to be related in love to the fact that we're actually living a, quote, journey, a pathway, a pilgrim's progress by which that is being played out. And this is a crisis of urgent concentration that is required of all of us. And the result is the kind of thing that Burton Cummings, may I bless him, sang so beautifully in this remarkable song, which is the engendering of hope in a man who is dying, a song he wrote, produced, and, or shall I say, wrote and sung and performed quite late in his life, and this is the hoped-for result of everything I'm trying to say. Thank you very much. It's just a touch of morning. It's just another that I can tell. Just a touch of morning. I set up a knockdown, boy, how I fell. Who can we at least delay it? Who I'm in the grips of time. Just a touch of morning 
Just a touch of the morning. 